So being able to offer flexibility, that's, that's the whole goal of being able to kind of change the culture of that corporate America, CPA, tax deadline, 80 hour a week during tax season. That is not us. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want that to ever be. So, uh, being able to moderate, control our capacity and offer flexibility for everybody involved is, is my favorite thing of being able to, to provide that opportunity for people. This podcast is sponsored by Engineered Tax Services, a subsidiary of Engineered Advisory, whose goal is to support CPAs and their clients to achieve the highest and best use of time and resources. ETS offers specialty tax services and incentives, which help expand your capabilities and ensure that your clients are paying only what is required in taxes and nothing more. To learn more about Engineered Tax Services, go to engineeredtaxservices.com and mention the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast to receive project discounts and a free CPA partnership ebook. Hi, everyone. This is Heidi Henderson, and you are listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast for accountants. I am really passionate about people and the industry. And I truly believe that the accounting industry can do better for both our clients and its professionals. So I'm going to share insights from people who have found professional success and who have managed to balance that with their physical, mental, and personal health. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you get inspired. Accountants can earn free CPE from listening to this episode. Just visit earmarkcpe.com, download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, our guest is Nick Aola. He is a CPA and a real estate investor. I'm so excited about this conversation because Nick and I have worked together for a while now. And uh, I haven't actually heard all of his story as to how he got from point A to point B. So I'm excited to talk with him and kind of hear his story about how he's gotten to this point. Currently, he's the owner and CEO of Aola CPA. Uh, it's a 100% virtual CPA firm specializing in tax planning, tax preparation, and accounting solutions for real estate investors. His real estate investing strategies include buy and hold, both long-term and short-term rentals, flips, and passively investing in syndications. He's also the co-founder of Home of the Brave Foundation, it's a charitable organization helping veterans and current service members find housing. So there's a lot there and <laughs> even more in the backstory, uh, which is why I'm so excited to talk to Nick today. So Nick, thank you so much for joining me and being a guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Heidi. Yeah, I'm excited too. Hopefully I'm as interesting as that blurb. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have I have a feeling we have lots to unpack. <laughs> so Okay, so right off the bat, I mean, obviously, I want to hear all about the firm and how you've started this firm. But more than that, let's start way back at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about Nick. Like, wh where where did you get your start? Where did you grow up? And tell me a little bit of your story. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in New York, spent my whole life in New York, uh, all the way through college, first job, everything, never really left. So East Coast through and through, actually just moved to Connecticut this year. So it's my first time leaving, not really leaving, traveling and all that is different, but living outside of New York. So born and raised completely in uh, near Manhattan. And that's just what it's been like. And, uh, you know, I worked in Manhattan. So I was oh, used to kind of the corporate America, 
you know, the whole situation. And even in college, it's just always been interested in, in business and accounting and finance. And I always knew I kind of wanted to do something in that realm. And growing up, my family's in real estate. So kind of grew up in that realm too, you know, kind of accidental landlords and developers and yeah, just the whole mix. So I always knew I kind of wanted to get into that, marry the two and get into something that could be pull from the, my business and, and accounting interests and also pull from somewhat real estate experience growing up in it and uh, just kind of forge a path down that road that was helping people that were just like me. So I uh, always had some kind of interest in that. And now, uh, now here we are. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So you kind of had a little bit of a head start, so to speak, just by sort of experiencing or seeing your family in the real estate industry. Because real estate, like, it's its own beast, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the industry and I think real estate investors as well tend to be unique. There's a certain aspect of bravery, I think. Oh, sure. And also what I tend to find, or I, I think maybe it's just my perception, I tend to think a lot of real estate investors are looking for not being mainstream. I want to be outside the box and be different. I don't want to follow sort of the status quo in, in terms of what you're supposed to do in life right? Um, and branch out and say, no, I'm going to figure things out on my own. So is that a little bit of the mentality that your family had in how, like, how did they get into real estate? Yeah, it's, it's funny because my, my, uh, my mother's side, most of them is from, from Westchester, New York. And uh, my grandfather bought a multifamily house when he was younger because he had to, his, he had to find a place for his parents to live, for him to live. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that was, you know, a, a three family home, top level, middle level, bottom level that he could house his family. And I remember the story of him telling me how he had, how he acquired the house. He just kept telling his agent, bid a thousand dollars more, bid a thousand dollars more, bid a thousand dollars more over whoever else was competing against him until he got it. And the seller ultimately said, you know, why do you keep, why do you keep going? Why do you keep offering a thousand dollars more? And back then, you know, it was like, I think he wound up purchasing the property for, I don't know, $30,000 or something, something crazy like that. But <laughs> He's like, yeah. why do you keep going up like this? And he's like, I need it. I have no choice. I, my family needs a place to live. Yeah, I need, I need to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he wound up buying the lot across the driveway from that, which is also, also a multifamily. So he kind of like stumbled, stumbled into it. And, you know, as a kid growing up, we used to always hang out there and, you know, as they would babysit us and we would just go there during the summers and whatnot. And I'd see my grandfather going out and doing the landscaping and painting. And I'm like, who wants to do this, right? Who wants to be... Who wants to even do this and manage tenants and all that? I'm like, I want no part of that. But as you get older and you start to realize, you know, what's actually happening, how he was able to provide for his family, provide a place to live and essentially live for free for who knows how many years, uh, you can't help but be attracted to that kind of investment, which, you know, wasn't really entered into as an investment, but it became that not only an investment, an inheritance. And now, mm -hmm. you know, his kids and, and us, you know, my parents are are benefiting from this investment that he made years and, and decades and decades ago. So just understanding all of that and seeing it firsthand, aside from all the, you know, the work that has to go into it is, is interesting, but then you start to appreciate the work because it's something that you're building, not only as like mm -hmm. uh, an investment, but you're building a foundation for, for generations, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because, you know, I feel like in the real estate world, that's one of the big things is like, it's truly creating generational wealth. And we work with so many different investors in, you know, the cost segregation stuff, which you and I work together a ton on. You have a lot of real estate clients and certainly that by reducing the tax, but they're just always being able to roll back whatever they save back into more properties, back into mm -hmm. more down payments, into 
new assets and continuing to grow that, then we always end up having these conversations. Well, yeah, but then, you know, I'm going to have to pay the tax when I sell or I'm going to have to eat that at some point. And I'm like, well, yeah, but there's really a long term play. And that's really what we look at with real estate is the long term play is so different than any other type of investment because of how you can just continue to grow the portfolio and expand that over time while it's generating a significant amount of income. Mm -hmm. But you're, you also have sort of this tax shelter due to the depreciation and the benefits of the real estate, which then can pass on to your heirs or there's other options, which you know we may or may not dive into that. But with you personally, you know, what are what are your goals with your portfolio? I mean, you're you're balancing your own CPA firm in addition to some real estate investments of your own. So how do you look at balancing how you're managing that with your your accounting business? Yeah, it's that's a great question. Uh, you know, as far as real estate, the way we think about it, and this is the conversation I have with our clients, too, is that real estate's a great investment. And we I always want to see people involved in their investments and not only from the accounting side, doing their own books, but also involved in self-managing, at least in the beginning. That way, you know, in the future, when you have to hire out any task, it could be bookkeeping, it could be property management, it could be any kind of little odd jobs to subcontractors, even landscaping, whatever. If you're in a position to hire something out because you want to recapture some of your time, it's nice to know how to do it first. That way, you know what to look for, how it should be done, how much things should cost, how to operate it. Uh, mm -hmm. So thinking about that now, that's kind of where I am. I self-manage everything for my own rentals, but I'm a huge systems and processes guy. So that's all, not only on the CPA side, but the real estate side too. Anything I can spend the time up front to make whatever I'm working on easier in the future and also more scalable, I'll make that time investment. So self-managing, yes, but also systems and processes to have some automations help me out. But getting a good understanding of what it means to manage these specific properties. Every property is different. Every business mm -hmm. is different. That way in the future, we look towards, of course, a more passive stream of income. That way you don't have to worry about self-managing something that, uh, you know, is hopefully growing in terms of number of doors or portfolio size, whatever it may be. You want some kind of understanding of how that's run that way. Yeah. In the future, it can be more passive, a little bit more hands-off and we can kind of scale back that that time investment. But for now, mm -hmm. I enjoy it. You know, I, I love doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know that with a, you and I talked a little bit about my sister, who's also my partner, who is does more of the active investing than I do. I tend to be more passive in syndications mm -hmm. because I have other things I enjoy doing on my free time. If you ask him, what is your hobby? She'll say real estate. Yeah. <laughs> it's my hobby. Real estate <laughs> is my hobby. That's what I do in my free time. And I think that's crazy because I want to step away from you know, working on some of those things. But for a lot of people, it really does become a bit of a hobby oh, yeah. in terms of really managing and growing that, but really taking care of these properties as well. So as you've continued to grow that, and obviously your expertise in, in sort of conjunction with your firm, where did you where did you start? What was your first step in? Was it with the firm first or was it with real estate first? It was, uh, it, well, it started in accounting first. Um, yeah. yeah, so I had a job in Manhattan, worked for a really small firm, uh, right okay. on 7th Ave, right by Penn Station. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, you know, where I lived, it, it was probably only 25 miles from there, but public transportation into Manhattan wasn't exactly ideal. So, you know, hour and a half there, hour and a half back every day on the train, a lot of time yeah. goes into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's where I started. Yeah. I started in a, in a small firm in, uh, in Manhattan and just 
that's exactly kind of what I thought about. The firm wasn't mm-hmm. specialized like we are. We work only with real estate investors. They were more of a general tax prep firm. So I got to see a lot of different industries. I saw what I liked. I saw what I didn't like. And I was able to see, you know, as a, as a CPA working on taxes, you get to see financials from every aspect of the business and you get to see what works, what doesn't, how people run their businesses. So it was, it was easy for me to see from the beginning that real estate is, is where the wealthiest clients were and real estate is where a lot of tax advantages are. Mm-hmm. And real estate is where I want to, I want to focus not only as, you know, growing a business, but also for my own investments, you know, where, where yeah. am I going to invest my money and, and real estate, if you're seeing it firsthand, it's hard not to follow down that path. So it kind of bled into the investing side of it, you know, and mm-hmm. in some respects I, I did, I did make straight out investments, but also owned property that I lived in that converted to rental. So kind of that same path that I mentioned, like my grandfather did, you just buy something because you need a place to live. And then all of a sudden you don't live there anymore. And now somebody, somebody's paying you to live there. So similar path, but started in accounting and it kind of just naturally led into the real estate. Okay. So then from working at that firm in in New York and then converting over, you know, I don't know if there was other steps in there, but deciding to start your own firm. I mean, that's a big leap of faith. Yeah. I I would assume (laughs) being in business for yourself, starting your own firm and a completely virtual firm. So here you are with the things that really trigger for me is that you're a systems and process guy which I think is actually very unique with a lot of CPA firms because a lot of CPAs really get caught up in the compliance work. Mm-hmm. And systems and processes is really where I think the industry as a whole has the most ability to really grow and expand and evolve sure. into sort of this new sort of look of what the future CPA firm might be. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you because I feel like you, from what I know already and working with you, I see it's like you, you've, you've got that vision so tell me about that segue from working with that firm, then shifting over and deciding to start your own firm. How did that happen? Yeah, so it wasn't like, uh, I always knew from day one that the goal was to, to have my own firm. I didn't know when or how or, you know, over what time period that transition would happen. But I, I knew that was a goal of mine. Uh, and it really wasn't a one day switch type of thing because from the, from the beginning, uh, the, the partners at the firm said, you know, we're not going to pay for your CPA exam studies. We're not going to pay for you to take the test. So if you pass and you take the, and you, you know, get your license, it's yours to do with what you want. And, uh, they didn't even tell me twice. So as soon as I had my CPA, you know, they allowed us to have our own kind of like book of clients, um, that were outside of, outside of the job, as long as it didn't interfere, obviously with your production. So. From day one, I was always, you know, family and friends. You always start out and get like a rolling list of people who are willing to take a leap on a new CPA doing their tax returns. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, from there, it just, it, it built slowly but surely. And then eventually it was kind of like, all right, if not now, when? And at that point we were, you know, I was targeting more into real estate specifically because the tax code is 80,000 pages and growing. So for me to tell yeah. anybody that I know all of it is a blatant lie. And I knew that I didn't have the capacity and never would to keep up with the t- changing tax laws to know all of it. So focus in on one section, know that section really went well, and then, uh, and then take that leap. And that's kind of what happened. It was, it was slow up to a point where I knew I can, I can take the leap without, um, it was of course a lot of risk. Every single day is, is risk running a business. And, uh, but I, I knew I had at least a little bit of a cushion that way. 
something weren't to work out, I had a little bit of a, a time, a, a block of time where I can figure something else out. But luckily, yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So when did you start the firm? I was back in, I mean, technically started back in like 2012. But when it really started to pick up and and gain traction and and start to become 100% virtual with employees. And it was about 2017, 2018. Okay. So a couple of years before COVID hit, so you had some oh, yeah. time in there. And from that standpoint, really when real estate started to ramp up as well, when you started, did you start off right off the bat with a focus as being kind of a real estate specific firm? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Once, okay. once, it, once it branched out from family and friends, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was a specialization that I knew, uh, because it was around that same time I started to make my own investments. So, uh, not only was I learning all of this for myself, just as an invest, the investing side of it, I knew that I was attending networking groups, not only as a CPA saying, Hey, here, I'm Nick. If you have any tax questions, let me know. But also, Hey, I'm Nick. I just bought a long-term rental property. Who are you guys using to, you know, patch and paint, you know, things like that. It was just kind of like a a natural conversation where I was attending these events and I was meeting these people and it was just kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, I do taxes. Oh yeah, by the way, I also invest. If you have a deal, let me know. It was kind of just natural. So once you started to meet these groups of people, the more people that started to reach out to me for for tax work were from these real estate events and conversations that I had. So it was was purposeful, but it was Mm -hmm. also... um, you know, there was no other, pa- there, I didn't have any other source of, of leads for clientele or any other source of marketing or networking other than real estate. So it was, it was almost like I intentionally pigeonholed myself, but in an area where I knew I'd be spending a lot of my time anyway. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, I mean, pr- pretty brilliant because I can tell you, I mean, obviously I work a lot in this whole real estate space with the incentives that we work with. But it's incredible how many real estate investors specifically that we work with as a firm Mm -hmm. and that then directly ask us the question is, can you refer me to a CPA or do you know someone that we could work with that really understands this industry or understands my business of investing in real estate and how to understand the passive versus active rules and, you know, all the ins and outs of essentially being a real estate investor which are very unique. And there aren't very many CPAs who really dive into that specific sector. And we do find the need all the time. So of course, we were excited when when we kind of connected with you and saw what you got, what you're doing at this point. Um, Same so here, with that, by the way. How, how are, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so tell me, how are things going now? Things are great. I mean, I, I love it. I, I love to be able to provide a solution to people. So the more people that hear about us, the more people that come to us, in my mind, the more people we can help. Uh, and when you see the results, especially on clients that we work with together, cost segregation, there's no secret that it's a, one of the best tax advantages in the entire tax co- code, let alone the specifics around real estate. So when you see these firsthand, these benefits, what people can do with this money, how they can accelerate their growth, and you're a, a large part of that, we're large parts of that, it's extremely rewarding. So, um, I mean, now we have the good thing about being virtual too is we're able to, as far as employees, we have a team of seven now. It should be by the new year, 10, all over the country. So not only are we like focused in in this one small area in New York, like my old firm, like you're limited to your geographical area when you're in a brick and mortar location. Yeah. Being virtual, we can have 
Yeah, people all over, which is great. Um, so I, I love that aspect of it. Same thing with clients. You know, we can help clients all over the place. Mm-hmm. And now, especially after COVID, people are people are taking that remote work has become extremely popular. Uh, so yeah. people are taking that <laughs> yeah. and running with it. <laughs> I know it's it's so crazy. I mean, COVID sort of like you know catapulted us light years ahead because of you know our immediate need to adopt you know, things like Zoom and looking at ourselves on a on a TV, on a, you know, computer screen and being okay with that. Yeah. And now it's just like, okay, whatever. It's, you know, we, we don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had any pushback with clients on that? Because, you know, the CPA industry historically is is a little bit old fashioned. I mean, it's a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, the the old boys club where you get together and you, you know, you go golf and go have lunch and really connect. And you know, with all things business, I think ultimately our network is our network. And the people we're able to connect with personally, those are those relationships we're able to build and cultivate. And we have that longevity for years and years and years. So clearly it's so unique in your setting as having built a virtual firm. So how are you handling that with your clients? Yeah, uh, it, it's a great question. And I mean, the way the way that I kind of approach the whole remote work thing is, I understand we're, we're not for everybody, and we we have received that that pushback from certain mm-hmm. people. I I will admit, not very many, a handful, uh, mm-hmm. but certain people do like that in person meeting, or they do like that local CPA feel, uh, and that's totally fine. Uh, you know, it's it's I understand if we're not the right fit for somebody, but large in part, what I what I've realized is that people are more focused on the output, the value that you can provide to them, rather than the location. And we've heard that feedback from people who have initially decided to work local and then decided, okay, I heard what you said about this. Let's have a consultation. Can you save me X, Y, and Z? And possibly we did. And they were like, yeah, okay, let's try this virtual thing out. Uh, so it, to me, it's my whole goal as not only as a firm owner, but as an advisor is I want you to receive value from the service you're paying for. And that not only is, is my service, but any, it should go for any service you're paying for. I want you to receive value out of that. So if we're not the right fit for you, I'll be the first to tell you that, uh, you know, don't, don't hire us. If, if <laughs> you know, if, if you prefer local or if, if you, there's a situation where I can't recommend a tax saving strategy for you, you maybe don't need a, a tax advisor, but if we can help you, I'll quantify it. You know, here are your savings, here are your costs. It makes the decision yeah. a little bit more black and white. Well, that's amazing. Um, we're seeing that so much in the industry and through our consulting with CPA firms, really seeing that when we look at surveys, when we look at what clients want, they want to know what value add you're bringing to the mm-hmm. table. You know, what is my CPA bringing? Where's the value? Where's the added services? Yes, they want to understand that you're you're filing accurate returns, that you're technically savvy, obviously. But it's almost like, you know, they 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 accept that as kind of the precursor that they just assume is there. Right. And then the things that buzzle, bubble to the top when you look at surveys is one, I want my CPA to understand my business mm-hmm. and what I'm dealing with day to day. And two, to be able to bring tips, to be able to bring advice and to be able to work with me to help me continue to grow and improve and you know reduce taxes and do all of those things. So uh, I think it's amazing how you've kind of seen that it, what seems like very naturally kind of shifted into becoming that for your clients. So do you have any fun success stories of clients that you've worked with that you could share with us? Oh man, that's a good one. Let me think. Um, 
I, I usually people ask me the opposite. Are there any like uh, anything I shouldn't be doing? And you have examples of those. So those I know I can rattle off. But the success stories, the thing about real estate, which is the great thing, is that success is, especially with, with long-term rental real estate, is that success is built slowly over time. So when you get to see somebody who starts with a property, and there's you know tons of examples of these where somebody you know buys their first property and it's a duplex and they live in one side and they rent out the other side and they're living for free or largely discounted because their rent is covering almost all their mortgage or maybe all their mortgage. And mm-hmm. then they're able to take that money and, and buy another property. And then, you know, as you see the years go by, now they have four, five, 10 properties that started from just somewhere you live and you rent out to your neighbor. Uh, those are my favorite success stories because it's, it's something that's deliberate, but it's also commitment. It's, it's understanding on learning how to build a business because even though rental real estate is technically passive, you're involved in it. You're running a business. You, you are. Mm-hmm. So it's, those are my favorite, but also, I mean, the biggest success stories, and I mean, the, you can, you can uh, join in on this one, Heidi, the biggest success stories we've seen recent years is most appreciation being a hundred percent. We see a lot of short-term rental activities, a lot of real estate professionals take advantage of these new acquisitions. And just to, a tangent, why real estate is so tax advantage is because on the purchase, there's benefits. You use other people's money to buy. In the holding, there's tax benefits, depreciation, and other tax advantages. And on exits, there's benefits. There's ways to tax efficiently exit 1031 exchange, opportunity zone, you name it. There's a number of different things you can do. So seeing these people who are getting these major tax benefits for properties that they don't, they can use leverage to purchase, you see the wide eyes and the and the jaws drop. And you know, those are the success for, stories I look for because it really just jumpstarts their investment. They get a huge tax refund. They can do it all over. And they're reaching their goals more quickly than they anticipated because of tax strategy. Uh, so mm-hmm. specific investments, I'll probably have to think about a little bit more closely, <laughs> but I've seen so many of those, those short-term rentals, big tax refunds, real estate professional cost segregation, big tax refunds, and then also slow, deliberate buildup of wealth and, and portfolio investments through long-term rentals and tax-free mm-hmm. cash flow. Uh, it's, it's amazing to watch and, you know, whether people realize it or not, like I said, they're, they're running a business. So, you know, you're, you're watching a business grow and ultimately will benefit not only you, but your family. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I've seen that firsthand with ourselves as well, even though we're not doing all the tax prep, you know, I have this one client and he called me years ago, I think it was probably 11, 12 years ago. And he had said, look, you know, I'm getting into real estate investing. And we spent a lot of time really talking about all of that stuff, the passive versus active rules, the real estate investor designations. And, you know, at the time he had a job and he was buying his first rental property, very first one. And without digging into the whole story, because I I don't want to take up time from hearing about your story. It's amazing because today he actually runs a syndication and he personally, outside of the syndication, he owns over 1,200 units. Wow. And then in his syndication, they have another couple thousand units that they have all in in uh, direct funds. And it's so crazy to sit back and say, gosh, I remember when we had this conversation, you know, 11 years ago, talking about this first rental property and, and the structure of how it works, and it really does begin to grow. Mm-hmm. So it's been fascinating for me to kind of sit back. And the other thing you said that really hits home that sometimes I forget about is we we kind of have this alternative approach because we're seeing a lot of financial statements and tax returns and we're seeing who's making the money and where is it coming from. 
And it's a lot of doctors and lawyers and attorneys and professionals and people in all different industries. And then you look at the people who are in real estate and it's staggering. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the growth is really crazy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting from an accounting standpoint to look at that uh, and see it from our perspective. Definitely. So back, back to topic, because it's fun talking about seeing how all of this goes. And, you know, I, I'm passionate about it as well. So um, as far as owning your own firm, you know, back to just the firm itself, mm -hmm. what is the thing you enjoy the most about being self-employed, having your own firm? Uh, especially being virtual, flexibility is great. I mean, as a, as a firm owner, I don't, you know, when we, and this is the antithesis of this entire podcast, but you're working more, you're working more than you normally would as a W2 yep. employee, most likely, um, you know, and the, I heard someone say once before that an entrepreneur will work 80 hours a week just so for himself, just so he doesn't have to work 40 for somebody else. And that's very <laughs> true. <laughs> I subscribe yeah. to that sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, but I, I I say flexibility, half kidding and half not from that perspective, because you're able, like, that's my choice, right? I, I, I signed up for this, so I will never complain about, about putting in hours for sure. Uh, but being able to offer everybody else flexibility too, that goes for employees, that goes for, for clients, people who, you know, it, it, we're not nine to five. You can, you know, as far as uh, on the internal side, if you want to do stuff after five or before nine, you want to do stuff on Saturday instead of Thursday, you know, be my guest. Whatever, you know, whatever makes you, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in the same location. Go where you want, do what you want. As long as you're hitting deadlines and, and getting, getting your work done, that's, and that goes for me too. Most, that's the most important thing. And for clients, you don't need to be right next door. If you're on the West Coast mm -hmm. and you want a tax advisor and we fit your mold, you can do that. You know, we're happy to help. So being able to offer flexibility, that's, that's the whole goal of being able to kind of change the culture of that corporate America, CPA, tax deadline, 80 hour a week during tax season. That is not us. Um, and and I, don't, I don't want that to ever be. So uh, being able to moderate, control our capacity and offer flexibility for everybody involved is, is my favorite thing of being able to, to provide that opportunity for people. Yeah. Well, that's huge because Again, I think it's a little bit of the firm of the future, where things are going and what we maybe expect to see going forward. But we still have a lot of very traditional firms, a lot of traditional structures. So how do you balance that? And to your point, kind of segueing into kind of the, the, the foundation of this podcast, really, is, yeah, that exactly. Like, how do you then balance that with life? I mean, not only are you a CPA, which we know, especially during tax season, can be extremely taxing, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, um, but but also running your own firm, managing employees, knowing that if someone bails on you, that, you know, that's left on your plate and to jump into the fact that you have a new baby <laughs> and uh, a new son, which I, you know, I, I saw the picture and just melted my heart. What an adorable <laughs> thing. You're so lucky. Oh, thank you. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks but so much. again, how do you manage to balance that in your life? Because then aside from your work, now you've got some real estate, now you have a young family. So what do you personally do and how do you handle that? Yeah, it's it's difficult. And my answer will probably change every day that you ask me. It'll change tomorrow. It's different today. The one thing that I try to focus so heavily on, and I don't know if this sounds cliche or not, but Every time you, you read about entrepreneurial life and whether it's investments or a business that you own, or even if you don't, even if you just have personal goals, you know, 
make a list of goals and, you know, steps to achieve them and you work backwards into daily chunks. And I subscribe to that. That's, that's all great, but it's, it's so difficult not to move the goalposts every time Mm -hmm. you cross something off your list and, you know, you reach something and then you want more. And that goes back to, you can say the same thing about real estate investing. If your goal was to have five properties and now you have five properties, most likely you're going to be looking for the sixth. And it's, it's not a bad (laughs) thing to move the goalposts. It's just calibrating, you know, when is enough and, and, you know, in order to step back and, and take some of that flexibility. So that's the thing that I wrestle with the most is that, you know, it's, it's always so great being in this position that, you know, sure, I own a CPA firm and we're able to help a lot of people and that's rewarding for me. So I always want to look for the next person to help and I want to make sure that our clients are getting the best care that they can. As a real estate investor, I've exactly what I just said. I always want to look for that next property and look how to, how to build a portfolio, but have to take that step back sometime and say, okay, well, where am I now? Where did I think I would be now? And can I take my foot off the gas pedal a little bit and enjoy what's going on around me? And it's hard to do, Mm -hmm. but I do kind of have to have those moments of reflection. And then just, that's the great thing about being flexible and being remote and being working from home or working from a weekend trip that maybe we want to take and, or a midweek trip, uh, and do something where I can step away just a little bit and say, okay, let me Mm -hmm. enjoy this for right now, but I can always hop right back in if I need to. I'm available if I, if I need to be, it's, it's a daily balance that really isn't conscious, but you have to make that conscious effort to kind of separate yourself a little bit from every now and again. And, uh, and, and not let yourself get so deep into the weeds. It's so easy to do that, especially, um, especially with tax, you know, external deadlines are a killer, you know, Mm -hmm. once March and April roll around and extension, September and October, I'm not going anywhere really. (laughs) <laughs> so I take advantage right. of those months when it's not that time of year. You're, yes, we're we're a prisoner to the deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I say that um, with uh, with the understanding that there's some inflexibility some some points of the year, uh, but when I have yeah. the ability to be flexible, I I I try to take it as as good advantage of it as I can, understanding that it's hard to do that. But uh, just that zoom out a little bit every once in a while and kind of realize where you're where you are, who's around you, and how to make the most out of whatever situation that is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've talked with other guests like about balancing really like our, our mental, like our stress levels. Yeah. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about physical health and trying to take care of ourselves physically, whether it's through exercise or what, what people use. One thing you're saying is it's interesting you bring this up because it's been something I've been working through myself because, you know, I've been one that... I, I have this drive, this ambition, right? And it's sure. to your point, you get, you're like, I'm going to get to this point and then really we're going to be good. But you get to that point and then you're looking at the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's always the next thing. And it's a drive that drive. I ultimately, I, I 100% believe it drives success. But where do you, how do you balance ambition with contentment? And that's such an interesting balance, I think, that certainly is going to balance with mental health, of course, because that's going to balance the stress levels. Because sometimes when we feel like, well, I'm content now, I'm good where I'm at, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we feel complacent. Right. Well, now I'm not doing enough. Now I'm not achieving enough. Now it's not growing. And then we start stressing about finances or whatnot. But then once we get back into that ambitious drive, it's, no, I've got to look for the next thing. I've got to get the next client. I've got to get the next property. And push, 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 push. So it's. I think it's really interesting that you you recognize that, and 
you know, you you seem to be very young, at least from my perspective. My kids, I don't have young kids. They're, my kids are all in their 20s and out of the house. Um, so I, I'm in a different place and and really working to just settle in a little bit. But for you at your age, where do you think you you found that realization that it's important to kind of balance that drive with taking the time to enjoy the process? Yeah, I, I, good question. I, it, knowing it and doing it is two very different things. Um, so <laughs> I guess talking with other uh, other business owners and investors who are in the same position, just like you, I mean, that that ambition, that doesn't go away. Like we talked about before, when I decided to make the leap and go out, you know, completely on my own, I had a mortgage, you know, I just like, you have to, that back against the wall feeling is what, and I'm sure I'm speaking for millions of people out there who have the same exact experience, but that back against the wall feeling is what really drove me and still does. I mean, now not only are responsible for myself, like you mentioned, I just, just welcomed our first child. So that's an extreme responsibility. We have employees, I, you know, that's, we have clients that we're helping. I have investments that God forbid tenants stop paying. I, there's got to be some kind of plan for that, right? So <laughs> that thought process, I don't think I'll ever get rid of that. I, I mm-hmm. shouldn't speak in absolutes, but I don't think I'll ever get rid of that. And I, I do struggle with with the, you know, kind of taking that setback and saying, okay, well, let me just recalibrate and see, like, let me let me not go 110% today and just take it a little bit easy. That doesn't happen very often. That's the problem. Yeah. But Sorry, I will admit it probably sounds like a typical first time parent, I guess, but it does change it a lot, changes everything. So when you, when you're thrown into that scenario, I say thrown into it, like, uh, like it, something, something not great, but it's amazing. Uh, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're placed into an, a new environment like that, it does, it does change everything. So I, I'd say it's probably, that's why I mentioned before it changes every day. It's a recent, very recent thing for me that, you know, you, you have to take those steps back and especially now, I mean, we're getting into the holiday season and just a different way of looking at things. So that's probably my, I guess, not too detailed answer, but <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, I, I don't know. I, I know I have to get better at it, but uh, it, it's hard. It's hard. And I'm sure you can relate. It's, it doesn't ever go away. <laughs> no, no, it never does. So, so here's another prodding question, and maybe it is timely that this is Thanksgiving week that we're talking, and this podcast will probably come out a few weeks after that. But um, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 20? Oh, man, I could write a book, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I guess if I were to, well, let me, let me ask you are, you, are you thinking specifically from CPA slash business side, real estate side, everything in general? You know honestly probably more personal personal like with you okay. personally yeah uh, i mean that's that's the good stuff <laughs> i would say i would say probably and this i guess this applies to does apply to everything is i wish i took and it sounds kind of silly saying it because i know looking back i did take these chances but take more chances more frequently and sooner mm-hmm. um and sure as you you know you're an accountant right so you, you know that our mindset is usually more logical and analytical and we're yep. looking at every single scenario and what makes the most sense. And there has to be a formula and there has to be an answer. And that's very much me, um, especially when I was younger, especially in college, um, you know, thinking about what calculating, what is the right move? Should I do this? Should I not? What are the pros? What are the cons? Trying to think 10,000 steps ahead, probably. That's gotten, 
I, I'm not as much that way anymore. And I wish that I, I, I would tell myself, you know, don't be as calculated, take some chances, trust in yourself a little bit and, uh, and you'll be fine. That's probably what I would tell myself. And that could, that's for anything, personal, business, investment, anything, um, applies yep. everywhere. Uh, that's interesting. You know, that's, it's timely because I agree. I'm exactly the same way. I'm, I'm, you know, very much an accountant by, so I'm very analytical and I want to, I want to know all the information, have all the T's crossed, all the I's mm -hmm. dotted. I have to know everything before taking a leap. And a lot of the investors that we work with, sometimes, to be honest with you, it blows me away. Sometimes they'll apologize when they're asking me questions on the phone <laughs> because they really don't understand some things. They're like, I'm really, really sorry. I know it sounds like I'm dumb and I should know this. And I'm not thinking that at all. Same what here. I'm thinking is kudos to them because they don't know a lot of stuff and yet they just bought three properties <laughs> and they're they like they are headlong. They are going down the path. And and I'm like, wow, like that if that's not inspiring, because you do Amazing. you see this success with people who, you know, I don't even know where they get the gumption to just say, Hey, I'm going for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but but I've seen that and and I'm like, yes, there there is this balance between like taking risks and being in that analytical person and trying to find the balance and realizing that you can analyze something to death. <laughs> Absolutely. No question about it. Yeah. You don't want to be on either end of the spectrum, I guess. You don't want to be completely reckless and say, you know, I don't really care what happens. Let me just throw this at the wall and see if it sticks. And you yep. don't want to be stuck in analysis paralysis where you're not doing anything ever. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of where I was for a, a little while. Uh, somewhere in the middle is, is nice. <laughs> is yeah, 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 is exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so here's an interesting question I, I have for you. The numbers of people graduating going into accounting or wanting to go into public accounting are declining. Mm -hmm. It is more of a traditional path, and it's certainly a difficult path in terms of the education required and sitting for the CPA exam. And then going into this career is also really difficult with the time constraints and the work and the, the deadlines that we talked about. Sure. What would you say to a young person who's thinking about going into public accounting? I love this question because uh, it is true. Uh, you know, that's something that we in our industry is are very aware of, um, you know, th that decline and also labor shortages. And it's it's hard. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. hard to to find good help that is interested in it. Uh, so, I mean, on one hand, that's a, a con. On, on another hand, it's a pro. The way I look at it is, you know, whoever is forging down that path, and wanting to get into public accounting, specifically tax, even further down, specifically into real estate, they want to be there. You know, that's something that you want to do. So anybody that is uh, is kind of looking to do something like that, it's refreshing for me to see that because it's something that I know that they're passionate about, or at least passionate enough to want to learn about it to see if it's something that they want to do uh, long term. So. I mean, for what I would tell people looking, thinking about getting into public accounting, uh, it is totally different. Accounting is a big umbrella. You can do a million things underneath accounting. Public accounting, uh, similar to what I've mentioned, kind of about helping people, is that how? That's how I think of it. If you want to work with people and help indi and help individuals and, and individual businesses, it's extremely rewarding. Uh, for me, it's you know you're not doing the same thing every day, every single conversation I have with people. It may surround the same strategies with real, especially with real estate. Maybe you're having the same type of conversation, but the application of everything is so different. Um, everybody has different goals. You get to, um, 
really get to connect with people on a different level. When you know their finances and their, their personal goals, it's mm -hmm. a much more candid, real conversation. Uh, and if you're able to help them achieve that, that's uh, the best thing in the world. So, I, I mean, I know it sounds a little bit cheesy saying it like that when you're talking about public accounting and number crunches. Everybody always thinks, you know, we're just punching numbers in a calculator and putting it on a tax return. That's the cherry on top of the Sunday, right? Everything that you want is proactive tax planning, having these conversations, figuring out what people want and being able to put them, help them put the puzzle pieces together. That way they can get there. Tax return is one component of it. Um, so public accounting advisory definitely uh, is where I would say is, is where the rewarding part of it. Compliance is great too, because you get to see the culmination of that. But ultimately it comes down to helping people, I think. If that's something that anyone considering it is is interested in i don't think you'll regret it that that's such a uh, that's such a refreshing perspective because uh, i'm definitely a, a helper kind of a person's my personality and sometimes i forget you know that 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 is one of the things I, i've told people before one of the things that in everything that i do what ultimately satisfies me the most is when i get to connect with people like sure like I make a friend and we connect on some personal level for some reason that we connect on. And to your point, you know, being in public accounting, you're dealing with people's finances, which is probably the most personal yeah, thing. Oh yeah. Aside from, you know, going to the doctor and getting real personal there. It's about <laughs> that personal. And we're opening up all of our finances and all of our vulnerabilities with our spending and and investing in all of those things. And, you know, as accountants, that's really what we're touching. And, you know, and we also have the ability to um, to have a major impact to go both good or bad for people to help continue to grow and increase and um, and be either more successful or less successful if we're not careful. Um, <laughs> and so I, I love that perspective that that you truly have kind of that intrinsic desire to really help people. And that you're passionate about the real estate, I think, is really neat with how that ties in. And, you know, everybody that I've talked to that works with you has absolutely loved it. It's been incredible for us because everybody that we talk to already has all the answers. And it's amazing because, you know, we don't spend an hour and a half on the phone explaining all the same questions. So thanks, Nick. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to help. And I'm, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. The same, the same is true for me. I mean, you guys, you guys do an awesome job and, and, uh. I know I've said that to you before, but it's it's so true. And the reverse is true for us too, where anybody that we talk to that deals with you guys is always five-star happy. Um, and that's uh, awesome. that's all we can ask for. So yeah, it's been great. That's amazing. Well, that, that wraps up our time, but it's been so amazing to get to know you a little bit better and fascinating to hear about your firm and how you've blended real estate with it and your specialty. If someone is interested in contacting you, because I think we probably will have people that would love to talk with you, um, would you share your contact details and how they can reach you? Sure. Yeah. Best way to best way to reach us is all of our social media contact information, meeting schedulers, everything you'll you'll want to find is on our website, iolacpa.com, A-I-O-L-A-C-P-A.com. Uh, and you can get in touch with us through there. We'll point you to the right direction, best person to talk to, but that's the best place to go. That's perfect. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much again for taking the time. I know you're super busy, but I really appreciate just sharing kind of your heart and sharing your background, because I think it really does make a difference for people. It makes a difference for the industry. 
And uh, we've loved working with you. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too. Same to you guys. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you.